0: Thank you for tuning in today on Voyage Through the Bible with Billy G. Nolan, where his heart is to fortify and strengthen your relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We hope you enjoy this mini-teaching, and if you need prayer, if you would like more information, or you simply want to join us as we voyage through the Bible, go to www.voyagethroughthebible.org. We're voyaging through the Bible we're learning that Jesus is greater than anything. Jesus is for us whoever we are and wherever we're at. The Bible is like a journey and we're taking this journey on a ship. We're voyaging through the Bible. We're voyaging on a ship in the Bible. We're in the book of Hebrews, and we're on an icebreaker, and we're making new paths for people to follow. The icebreaker originally was used in the rivers in Europe, and then in the canals in the United States, and eventually it turned into large, ocean-going icebreakers in the modern times. We have a vision, a picture of what we intend to accomplish and we're going to do it in each episode in the book of Hebrews. We're a part of the botched humanity in slavery to sin to the point of rescue and deliverance through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Spirit of God is a creator. He takes disorder and makes order out of it. And he's willing to give truth to all men. He's an illustration of fire, an illustration of warmth, purifying, comfort, many aspects of fire. Jesus is greater in chapter 6 of Hebrews greater than the political priesthood, any priest today, anyone at any time. Therefore, let us go beyond the elementary teachings about Christ. Let's go on to maturity. Let's go on and see that the Lord will carry us beyond the fundamentals of repentance and acts that lead to death. We need to walk into the faith of God. Babies mentioned in these many verses are talking about backslidden old believers. Push the baby. Potty train the baby. Best requirements in a child is encouragement and discipline. Let's not go back and lay the groundwork for potty training. Jesus is for us wherever we're at. Let me tell you a story. There was a man who backslid. He fell down the backslidden well a hundred foot to the bottom. He got comfortable there. He enjoyed it there. But one day he looked up and saw a light at the top of the well. At that point he began to think, I should go up to the top of the well. And he began to crawl and climb and move day by day and finally reached the top and he said, I have arrived. But the people around him had gone much farther into maturity and all he did was come back to where he had originally been. Cold-heartedness is one thing we could look at Disobedience, selfishness, sense of not allowing God to work in our lives causes backsliding. The Word of God anchored in the power of the Holy Ghost is one avenue that we have to maintain a mature life. So the other area we look at is having a mentor A person who is accounting for our accountability. There's somebody we can tell the truth to without feeling shame or difficulty. It's a person that can help guide us on, a person who can pray for us. We all need these kind of people in our lives. The more, the better. doesn't hurt to have a few. They may be specialists in one area in your life or specialists in another. We could have instructions about cleaning rites or laying on of hands or resurrection of the dead or eternal judgments, repentance from dead works, being born again. And then we go on with faith in God and doctrines of baptisms and laying on of hands and resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment experiencing the lord is not just head knowledge a mind full of many aspects of god without a heart that yearns for him is incomplete there's a thought about the holy ghost that he is the wind someone has said a sailboat doesn't go unless there's winds in the sail. The Holy Ghost is compassionate toward each one of us. He holds a a powerful place to be anchored in our lives. The Holy Ghost is our deliverer. Seems that many people have imaginations. They have images, and these images can be great. They can be important. They can be pain and memories, or they can be victories won. Our imaginations can frame around the Word of God and around the victories that the Lord will have you have in the future. Where can we go in Hebrews 6, 4 through 6? It tells us that it's a hopeless situation, that we cannot repent and turn again once we have failed. What does that mean? It says that he would be brought to public disgrace. Milk babies have no need to be born again, born again, and reborn again. It's a one-time proposition in each one of our lives. But from that point on, it's a point of maturing and growing and becoming God's child, God's What is the interruption point that we can have in our lives? And that's pride. That is a root sin. We all seem to carry one, but pride is one of them. And we cannot, cannot go forward with an active set of pride and arrogance working in us. There are many others. There's appetites that are found that detract from the power of God working mightily in our lives. I just want you to know that backsliding is not the end. It's not the end. It is an opportunity and a pause. God has greater things for you than your coldness or your disruption between you and him. There's a parable found in chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. And this parable has to do with the field. It says when the field, it rains in the field and a crop grows and it's harvested, the farmer has blessing. But then it goes on to say if the field has briars and weeds and many evil things, thorns, it cannot grow. So in the early days, in times past, they would burn the field. When they burnt the field, all the things that would cause crops not to grow were brought to ashes. And in its judgment, the ashes would act as a health item in the ground and it would be ready and fit for planting and harvesting. So the story explains the roots of righteous living and the roots of backsliding and what it looks like in each one of our lives. Milk believers are a field that's filled with thorns and thistles and weeds Milk believers cannot stay static as milk believers, but they must rise up and become meat consumers. Maturity must take place. The field is burnt. Backsliding has the end product of being burnt. This is before us. But if we look at it carefully, this parable is a parable of hope. What is hope? Hope is what God has chosen to put into you as a gleam, as a projection of the future, as a look at what can happen. Hope for the future. Live in the present, but see the hope that God has for you. In my own life, there were times when the pressures and struggles were great. At moments like that, I was like Jacob. And I wrestled with God. I wrestled with God and my emotions, my thought life, many aspects of my life were broken. Extremes are not necessary when you turn cold. The key to, re- to returning to the Lord, of course, is repentance. Repentance. The Lord changed me. It began at an early age. My name is Billy. I was understood that my name means have fun. Let's have a party. But when I was born again, even at a very young age, I understood that the joy of the Lord was my strength. So my name took a compound understanding. I would recommend that you have a name change, that your name would correspond with what God intends to do in your life, that your name would correspond with God's greatness that he wants to perform in your life. In verse 9, we have been looking at some very negative things, and suddenly in 9, he gets positive. The writer of Hebrews begins to say, God's not unjust. He will not forget the works you have done. He's convinced of better things of you than you're doing now. God has a balance sheet. The balance sheet is not your balance sheet. It's his. His balance sheet is godly. It's justice. It's love. Your balance sheet has points of revenge and points of accelerated failure. But God's point of view is to bring you to a point of greatness in him. Let's lighten up. Let's see this. In the Old Testament, they had law. They had justice. But in the New Testament, we have a mingling of grace and justice we're covered in a most unique way God requires justice but he's in love with you and he wants to do it in a very loving way the verse in verse 11 I want each one of you to show diligence to the very end that what hope you have may be fully realized Fully weighted is the way uh, many translations have it. Fully weighted means God has waited out and he has given you hope. That hope is not necessarily totally yours, but he can give you hope and he can have this hope to be extraordinary in your own life. Hope is an act of maturity. And then it goes on and it says, We shouldn't become lazy. Lazy. Instead of being lazy, we should be imitators of those that had faith. We should be patient. We should inherit that which has been promised to us. There's individual promises out of the word of God that we can take for our own, but there are many promises that are very personal. So we begin to see we're talking about Abraham, and the promises given to Abraham but at the same time let us understand that Abraham is not isolated. Abraham is just one person among many where the promises of God have been real and mature and great in their lives. My name is Billy and I have promises. Your name, whoever your name is, you have promises. You have promises And God is faithful to fulfill his word. He's faithful to do it. Abraham had weaknesses. He wavered. His story is a story of success and defeat. Disillusion. I know. I don't know. I wish I knew. Sometimes we fit into that category. God gave Abraham a promise for his descendants. God swore it with an oath. Man's oath is weak. Man's contracts are weak. Humanity at large is weak. We're unreliable, departmentalized, unable to fulfill what God has in mind. Let me tell you a story. In Matthew, it talks about the man who's going to the temple and he has an offering in his hand. And he's ready to place it before the Lord. I believe it was a peace offering. But he remembers somebody had a problem with him. It wasn't that he had a problem with the man, but the man had a problem with him. And it said he had to go away and settle the problem and come back and give his peace offering. So see the principle here. Jesus is for us. Wherever we're at. Talking about Abraham, he was a package of failures. He gave up his airship to Eliezer when God didn't tell him to. He gave Sarah away twice. He had a son with Hagar, and Abraham, oh, Billy, you were put back on track by the Lord. The promises. I will bless you and give you children, was his promise. Let me see. The Lord says, I will bless you and give you. Can you fill in the blank? Can you make that blank full and complete? Some of you are in anguish. Some of you have problems that can't be solved. Waiting patiently. Remember that. About the time you're impatient is the time you need to implement that thought, that phrase from the Bible. What am I saying? I'm saying wait. Don't get in a hurry. It's a little bit good to be two paces behind the Lord. It's very good for you to hold His hand and let Him walk with you. It's a little bit tedious. For you to be at a point where you're walking ahead of God. Be patient. That's a call. Men's contracts, men's oaths are weak. At very best, they're weak. But God has a contract. And his oath is because he promises upon his own name. There's a word in... Bible teaching called immutability which means the will of God is certain other people's wills are not certain people can vacillate their wills they can tame their wills they can change their wills but God's will is certain there's a word called imputation which means that the Lord takes His promises and lays them to our account. It's a promissory note. I promise to do what I've promised to do. That's what the Lord is saying. The Lord is our guarantor, as He was with Abraham. He guarantees it because God wanted to make an unchangeable nature of his purposes, very clear to the errors that were promised. He confirmed it with an oath. That oath is with us today. Every place you hear of the promises connected to our Lord, to Jesus himself, we have these promises that are irrevocable working in our lives. Apprehend it. Be patient. See God work. I want to stop and say, that in periods of time in my life, I had fear, fear of the circumstances, fear of what people could do to me, fear of the future. I had fear of the present. I masked that fear, you know, uh, we as people have a sense of masking many things. So I tried to mask the fear. But I found one day, I took the fear, I wrote them all down, I put it in a box, I wrapped it, I love very colorful Christmas wrap. So I wrapped it and put a bow on it. I put an address on it to the Lord Most High. I sent my fear to the Lord. Oh, I get agitated. I get problems. But the paralyzing fear that I had for a period in my life disappeared. And that was my method to have it done. It took a visual aid for me. I don't know about you. Remember Jacob, he had promises for 20 years before they ever started really blooming and happening in his life. I'm not saying that it'll take 20 years for your promises to be fulfilled. Usually they're in increments, here being fulfilled, there being fulfilled, fulfilled in another way, until finally one day we realize the promise has been totally fulfilled. There are two unchangeable things about Father God. God's promises and God's oath because he can't lie. Encourage yourself with that idea. Encourage yourself with that idea. He's our surety, another big word. We would translate it insurance policy. He's the guarantor of his promises. In verse 19, it talks about the hope as an anchor. The anchor of the soul should be anchored on the bedrock, which is the promises of God. This is an adventure about a sailor. The deep fog is in the Mediterranean. In those days, they didn't have the fancy equipment we have today, so they had to depend on unique ways of getting to the anchor, getting to the shore. So they would take a sailor who was a good swimmer, tie a rope around his waist, throw him into the sea, and he would walk and swim into a safe harbor. And then he would pull with the rope and the ship would come to Anchorage. Do you see the principle of hope there? Can you understand the principle of hope? Hope is a holy thing. It can be a thing between you and God. So now as we close, I want you to know Jesus is for us Wherever we're at, I'd like to repeat that one more time. Jesus is for us wherever we're at. In Hebrews 6 19, Jesus is the anchor which all of our lives are connected to. So, with this, I would like to give a call. Your place is not impossible where you're at, is not the end of the line. If you feel disappointed, if you feel downtrodden, if you have many difficulties, I must tell you right now, God is for you. I'm going to pray, Whatever, however you're listening to it, hold a hand. Put your hand on the table, on the desk. On the computer, whatever it is, let's make contact. And in that contact, we're symbolizing the contact of God. In Jesus' name, I pray that all of the cases of backsliding would now begin to diminish. And all the cases of problems of defeat would begin to diminish. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast from Billy on this episode of Voyage Through the Bible. This journey and its many adventures lead you into the mysteries of creation and man, not only to know the Bible, but to experience it and live it. If you would like to sow into this ministry and be a part of somebody else's journey as they learn about God, please visit our website, www.voyagewiththebible.org.